0: You're listening to the Adultics for the Bible weekly leader training podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead the Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and also the leader of the Adultics for the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by Drew Dixon. Drew gives leadership to the uh, Explore the Bible student team, and we're going to be looking at session 13 for the fall 2020 study of Isaiah. This particular study, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 65, verses 17 through 25. It's the last study uh, of our study of the book of Isaiah. And let me just walk you through this outline, and then Drew and I will come and talk through some of the issues that we see in this passage. First of all in verses 17 through 20 we've entitled that a place of joy. Here Isaiah has declared that God would create a new heaven and earth to be enjoyed forever by his people. This new heaven and earth will be perfect filled with joy. The second Part of the outline is entitled Place of Prosperity, and that looks at verses 21 through 23. In these verses, Isaiah exclaimed that wars and invasions would be absent from this new heaven and earth. People will enjoy the benefits of their work as a result. Now, that's important because Isaiah is talking to a group of folks who faced endless wars and invasions and threats uh, when he's sharing this particular Uh, Part of this uh, prophecy to him and then the third idea the third uh, break is in verses 24 through 25 and in those verses uh, Isaiah talks about a place of peace. He emphasized that this new heaven and earth would be characterized by peace between the created he uses the idea of a wolf and a lamb and the creator And the phrase, I will answer, points to that. So that's just a quick walkthrough of these verses, verses 17 through 25 in Isaiah 65. Drew, I'm going to just ask this question to begin with, because we looked at chapter 25. I believe that was when we were in session five, and it's been several weeks ago. But how does this passage compare to what we see in Isaiah 25, where we have the feast and all those type of things?
1: In both those passages, we have a promise about God doing something about what's wrong with the world. I think that's the biggest um, that's the biggest uh, parallel, is that both of these passages foresee a day in which um, God is finally going to say enough to injustice and to suffering and to all the brokenness that, is, uh, that our world is plagued by that's rooted in human sinfulness and rooted in human selfishness. Um, and it and both days in are envisioned are really good because if you think about <clears throat> what would our world be like if those things were no longer present, it, it would be it would be love. It's hard to even imagine for us because we only know life in a broken world. But um, but both of these passages envision a really beautiful future day when everything that's wrong about our world is healed and renewed. When um, when what when what Isaiah said in chapter two is really true when swords are actually beaten into plow, plowshares you know uh instruments of, of violence are actually turned into instruments of productivity and goodness and flourishing and um you know gardening tools it's like the idea of breaking guns in our day or something or breaking missiles and changing them into um i don't know like a tractor or something yeah <laughs> melting um, down a bayonet and making it into a garden hoe or something <laughs> right yeah yeah it's, it's hard to think of a good modern imagery because so many people today don't garden anymore, but um, but yeah, uh, I, I think I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know what do you see in this passage in the between those two.
0: Well, uh, you know, the feast in chapter twenty five reminds us of the joy and the mm, uh, the joy yeah. we'll have at celebrating uh, that kind of event. Um, but this mm-hmm. more this is more about not just an event, but a an existence that uh, we enjoy for eternity Um, it's about the the restoration of creation in Genesis you know we see uh, at the end of each day God saying it was good but Mm -hmm. at the end of of Genesis 3 it's not good anymore uh, because of our sin and this reminds me that there's going to come a day when we're back to the Genesis one and mm-hmm. two life, and not the Genesis three life. It's comforting to me to know there's going to be a day when I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Anymore.
1: And there's also something really beautiful about what what God promises in Isaiah 25 about our suffering. He says He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes, which tells us that um, every tear from our face, which tells us that God acknowledges the hurt and the brokenness and and the suffering that we're experiencing because of, because of life in a broken world, uh, because of human sinfulness and human selfishness. Um, But he looks, but he like the idea of wiping away the tears is like an an acknowledgement from him that he sees it and that he cares. Kind of reminds me of like Jesus weeping with, um, you know, Mary and Martha before he raises Lazarus from the dead. Um, You know, God's saying in that moment, like, I care about, I'm not blind to it. I see it and, and I'm going to do something about it.
0: Well, think how personal that, the the act of wiping away a tear is. Mm. You have to touch somebody's face.
1: Which Um, we're not supposed to do right now. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
0: You're supposed to touch touch somebody's face Mm -hmm. and it, you talk about a tender act. Um, You think of that image here, I'm going to wipe away the tears. There is nothing more compassionate than in that act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more personal the the creator of the universe is going to personally stop and wipe away your tear touch your tear mm-hmm. and remove that from the side of your face um and, you know i can't wait to to see that experience uh, to see yep. what that's like me too one thing here that's in this passage too the latter part verse 24 to 25, we see the idea of the wolf and the lamb, that they're together. How does that compare to the lion and the lamb? We see other places.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very similar idea. I mean, I think the big thing for us to catch here is that, um, like two forces that for all of our human existence, at least before, (laughs) before the days of Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Um, All of our existence, those two things didn't happen. Those two groups didn't get together. You no, know, I guess the and only exception
0: out. would have been on the Ark.
1: Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, but other than the Ark. Then, yeah. We assume even then that there was probably like, they were separated somehow, uh, for most of their journey. Um, but yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't do that. But, um, but Isaiah also says, you know, there's coming a day when children are going to play over the holes of cobras. Um, and, you would never want your children, your child, to play anywhere near a snake that could bite them and kill them, right? Um, and that's that's what's going on here is that God has made peace. Um, God is promising a day when He's made, um, you know, He's restored creation to its intended um, purpose, to its um, intended state, um, a state of of peace and um, security right um a, a lamb would never feel secure in the midst of a wolf like ever but god's going to make that a reality and so um you know i think that's t- telling we we live with a lot of insecurity and fear and so the whole point there i think is to tell us that there's coming a day when we won't have to live in, in-, in insecurity and fear because we will know that that god is um reigning on his throne in, in the in in its fullness
0: you've kind of already address this for a little bit but let's think about that idea of peace for a minute um, we'll come back to verses 21 and 23 in a minute uh, let's think about that idea of peace now how should we understand what is being talked about here with peace I mean we usually think of it as no conflict there's no war or invasion which would have been mm-hmm. important to the people that Isaiah was talking about yeah and addressing to he's, he's telling them he's warned them already that you're going to because of your lack of repentance and you're turning away from God, you're going to be led away in captivity. You're going to you're going to be conquered. Um, you're going to be there and then you're going to realize your need for God. You're going to repent and then you're going to be brought back. So yeah. there's this idea of restoration to a place. But this is greater than that. This is more than just not having to fight. Um mm it's deeper than no conflict help us unpack that idea a little bit because you kind of started that a little bit for us i think
1: yeah yeah so i think peace here is pretty far reaching i mean i kind of think back to what jesus said we ought to be praying as christians all the time and one of the things he said we ought to be praying all the time as christians is that you know your kingdom god's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven And I think this is a picture of what that looks like for the kingdom of heaven, where God dwells in his fullness, as it were, is going to invade human, human habitation, the human world, and is going to start bringing the perfect peace of God's world to, to ours, and it's going to conquer it. And that's a good thing. Like we want. (laughs) this broken world to be conquered by the goodness and peace of God. And so um, it's not just that there won't be wars and things. It's that we won't harm on this holy mountain anymore. We will not do what is evil or destroy. We won't do anything to hurt fellow image bearers anymore. Um, We won't do anything to, there will be no theft. There will be no um, slander. uh, There will be no more making people feel small. all those things will be done away with because um because Christ will be king and we'll see we'll finally see the image of God in each other without that being obscured by by our brokenness anymore which
0: um, which also means that we'll be continuing the picture you're painting that we will be able to demonstrate the image of God uh without the scar of what we have from sin mm-hmm. in our life now
1: yep exactly yeah um, which
0: you know the problems we have in our world because of us not because of them yeah so uh, Mm -hmm. we will find ourselves able to live the life that pleases god uh, which to me brings great deal of peace and comfort
1: yeah absolutely
0: one more thing i want to bring out here in verses 21 through 23 he talks about building houses planting vineyards and that you will eat and he's talking about it in the reference to this this new heaven and new earth um well, you have this idea of heaven is a place where you just go, you sit and worship and you're singing all day long or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this has the, this carries the idea that there's work in heaven. Uh, yeah. Should we be excited about that or
1: not? <laughs> That's a great question. I love that because I do think um, like that passage, that section on work is, is jarring this idea of building houses and living in them and planting vineyards and then eating their fruit. And, um, but you know, I think, It's important to remember that this was written to people in exile, um, or, or at least Isaiah foreseeing a day Uh when God's people were living in exile. And so like they're building, uh, things for people who are, for other people are going to use them. They're planting vineyards for other people are going to get to enjoy those things. They're being oppressed. Right. And so this is a promise that God's going to do away with oppression, but, um, I do think that there. I do think it does say that in heaven, in the new heavens, and new earth, we're going to be working. We're going to be doing things with our hands. We're going to be building. We're going to be creating. We're going to be, um, I, you know, I I don't know what exactly what it's going to look like, but we're definitely going to be doing work. But if we remember back in the garden, like work was a good thing. God gave Adam and Eve this beautiful garden, and He said, "Work this and keep it, and be fruitful and multiply and fill it." And the whole idea there is that God was kind of telling Adam and Eve to do what He had already done. God had shaped this garden and made it good and wonderful and pleasing. And, and it was for the benefit of Adam and Eve. And, um, and then they were supposed to like that. That's a a sign of love. Like you, you give important jobs to people you love and respect. Um, And so by God giving Adam and Eve this job to work and keep the garden, he was showing them great love and great dignity, uh, giving them great dignity. And uh, so So I think what we're seeing here is a restoration of what work was supposed to be before sin kind of messed it up because we know when Adam and Eve eat the fruit, right? They, they eat of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And then God said, um, your work's going to be toil now. It's going to be hard and frustrating. And the gardens that you plant are going to be plagued by thorns and thistles. These, you know, these plants that make gardening no fun. Um, so our vision of work today, this is a long answer, sorry, but our vision of work today is often like, Ugh! Right? <laughs> I have to go to work, and some of us hate our jobs. I don't. I love my job. Um, I'm sure you do too, Jane, because sure. uh, we get to talk about the Bible, and like, you know, <laughs> it, it's really, it's really, it's really fun sometimes. A lot of the time, um, but you know, we would say too, even um, even as people who work for a, a wonderful organization like Lifeway, we would say sometimes our our work is not fun. Sometimes it's plagued by thorns and thistles, and we don't like it. But there's certainly people out there that just hate their jobs. Um, that's not, I think it's important to note that's not God's design. Um, even now, even before this new day comes, I think God wants us to see the goodness in our work, um, to see the potential to make the world a better place, to see the potential to love God in the midst of our work, no matter what we do. Like if you're an accountant, um, there's benefit you can bring to the world through doing accounting. If you're a, trash collector there's benefit you can bring to the world through you know collecting people's trash um you know but it's hard for us to see it so god's promising a day when we will get to see that our work matters and it will be enjoyable because i think we can also all too like envision there's times when we've done a project that it was just like super satisfying right
0: yeah um like, I you know, think maybe, about the things they've got, building a house, and then you yeah. get to live in it, mm-hmm. planting a vineyard, and then you get to eat from it. I mean, there's a great yeah. deal of satisfaction in mm-hmm. being able to say, I, 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 I'm I, the one that participated in that.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of things that we have. I think almost everybody can relate to this. There's things that we have in our house that we, in our ho- homes, or um, that we built ourselves or that we put together. Um, and, and those things matter a lot more to us than other things we have. Cause we know the work that went into it and sure. it's just like really satisfying. That's the kind of like vision of work and the new heaven and new earth is this like really satisfying. Um, like everything that's good about work that you've experienced, that's what's what we're going to get to experience. And that's good because, um, sometimes the way people talk about heaven, I think probably to some of our listeners could sound kind of boring. Like you're just in the celestial church service for, um, like, don't get me wrong. I love going to church, yeah. right? But I don't think I want to go to an eternal church service. Um, but Or, or but, the other
0: ideas that people have is you're just sitting in a hammock, getting, you know, drinking sweet, uh, sweet iced tea all day long.
1: Right. Yeah. You Waiting know, nope. um, on view, hand and foot or something.
0: Yeah. I don't view that as what we're going to be either. So yeah, it, both of those things, the true, those things may happen. But yeah. Those you know, the greater issue is we will be doing things, carrying out, you know, how we were created, but we'll be doing mm-hmm. it with God present. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's and him's, uh, it, it's like he's, he would be a partner with us while mm. we're planning, while we're building, his presence is there with us in actual form. Yeah. Um, that's a whole mm-hmm. different view of, of life than what we have here. Cause we sure, you know, there's sometimes we, we question if he's with us at that point, that won't mm-hmm. be the the case there, no matter what we're doing.
1: He'll yeah. be there with us. And I love that you that you bring that up. That the real, you know, the real treasure of the work that's going to be in heaven is that God's with us. Because it's just amazing to think of like God inviting us to be His partners in this new creation. Um, you know that He calls us co-heirs of the kingdom. Um, you know, just just what love God must have for us to um offer that kind of position in this new heaven to people who uh spent so much of their lives like rejecting him.
0: In some a position we we for sure do not deserve and are not yep. qualified to carry out. Mm-hmm. But yet he views us as capable and qualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, all because of what happened on the cross. Amen. Um, yeah. And so Drew, any other key ideas or thoughts you would point out here from Isaiah 65?
1: Uh, not really. I just think I think I, I hope people have fun digging. There's so much hope in this passage, and so I hope people have fun kind of digging in and seeing what the Bible says about the new heaven and the new earth, as opposed to like what we've sort of gathered from pop culture and from ideas that people have thrown out uh, there about heaven and that it's kind of taken root in a lot of our minds. And so, I, I hope this is a fun week of sort of like digging back in and going, What does the Bible actually say about our, our future hope?
0: I want to thank you all for listening today. Drew, thank you for being with us. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at duane.mcrary at lifeway.com. That's D W A Y N E.mcrary MCC r-a-r-y at lifeway.com and i'll do my best to answer your question or if i don't know the answer i'll find the right person who can answer your question if you have some questions about this the student resources for explore the bible i'm sure drew would love to hear from you you just send him an email at drew d-r-e-w dot dixon d-i-x-o-n at lifeway.com and he'll he'll respond to you be able to to help you think through some things there as well Next week, we're going to begin a new study. We'll be looking at the Gospel of Luke. I hope you'll join us and invite some friends to be a part of it as well. Thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to you being with us again next week.